Hello and welcome to another episode of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast that tackles your freelance challenges one episode at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Katie Carlisle, and I create Squarespace websites and do Squarespace training under the brand of Squarespace Queen. And my name's Michelle, owner of Dive Deeper Development, a personal development and management training company. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about your money mindset. So when you're freelance, it does require a kind of different approach to money compared to when you're employed. And actually your attitude and how you think about money can affect the health of your freelance business. So we're going to have a look at why that is and what you can do about it. So Michelle, why is having a money mindset that isn't necessarily the most optimal one? Why is that a problem for freelancers? I think it can be a really difficult for freelancers, uh, particularly if you've been employed before or if you've just come out of the education system. When I worked for a large company, um, your, employ- you know, your employer tells you your worth. And, it, and for your, even for your job, you might even have a market rate or a range which you're, you're, you can be paid. And a lot of financial decisions are taken for you, like how much goes into your pension or even if you should have a pension. There's like a, a minimum contribution that all companies make and that you lot, when you opt out. But when you become a freelancer, you have to decide or negotiate your value for yourself. And this can be tricky, particularly if you're starting out to begin with. Um, there's also kind of this feast and famine cash flow problems can be quite demoralising as well. If you have to and you have to believe that the work is, is coming in, don't you, Katie? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I've been in business for like over eight years now and I still sometimes have a panic that, oh, my God, what if I don't get any more clients? And other than, you know, global pandemics which are an anomaly it always has come in you know even even if it's been quite close to the to the wire it has come in and I just have to sort of have a faith have faith that I will keep getting inquiries because just, I think there's that panic of like oh what if I don't get any more inquiries but I always do and yeah. so yeah and also that's that's waiting for me to, for work to come to me I know that if I have the option I can go and be proactive and seek out work so I shouldn't worry, but sometimes I do. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing, Katie, as well, is if you've worked for a, a company's brand before, it's their name above the door. People have a very different feeling when it's their name above the door and they're charging for themselves. And when you first start out, you quite often don't know what to charge. And you might even feel a little bit cheeky asking for money. So it is really going from, um, you know, being a person to uh, operating as a business. And to begin with, you're off. You are often the business. So it can cause all sorts of weird uh, mindset stuff. And sometimes what you're taught growing up or what you're uh, told about money or your worth in, a, in a, someone else's business is not always healthy or sensible for running your own business. So this is one of some of the things we're going to talk about today. I mean, one of the things you talked about, Katie, there is that scarcity mindset, you know, is that am I going to have enough because the work is so variable? So you were used to being paid perhaps a, a set amount every month. And for some people changing to that, not having that set amount every month creates this kind of panic. But you can't run a good business from desperation or fear or from a mindset of scarcity. So as you say, it really does affect the health of your business to have your head in the right place, particularly if you feel a bit weird about the money thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think it is really easy to fall into that trap of having that scarcity mindset and 
and when we say a scarcity mindset, it's probably worth clarifying what we mean by kind of scarcity mindset and the other one you might have heard of as an abundant mindset. Yeah. What, what does that mean? So scarcity mindset is where you believe that money is scarce. So there's a limited amount out there. It's very hard to come by and that you have to cling on to and pinch every penny. But when you become a business owner, you understand that actually money needs to flow. It's about an exchange of value. So really hoarding on or penny pinching or refusing to spend anything doesn't really help. It can also really cause you to... Um, I don't know, be sceptical of other people, focus too much on the competition, be too miserly, whereas in business actually being generous really helps. And we'll come on to this a bit more later. Abundance is about believing that there's enough money out there in this in the world. And you know what? Um, we live in the digital economy now, so it's not like there's a finite amount of business buildings to operate from or a finite amount of goods you can buy from a warehouse, particularly if you're selling consultancy services or digital products, the, you can create wealth. So an abundance mentality it's not just like wishful thinking. Uh, it's a really positive, having a positive attitude, believing that there is value to be created. And there's no reason why you, of course, can't be part of that. And so let's have a look now at if you are not sure about your money mindset or if you feel like maybe you could have a slightly better money mindset. What can you actually do to improve your attitude towards your business finances and how you approach money? Yeah, I think a great place to start, Katie, is to reflect on your current money mindset. So as you say, you probably already have some rules about money that were given to you by parents or teachers or that you had when you were learning about money growing up. And they either may not be true or they may not be very helpful for you. So the first thing is to reflect on your attitude. So what were you told about money when you were growing up? Were you told we can't afford it? You're told money is scarce. Were you told money is the root of all uh, evil? That it's rude to talk about it. You shouldn't talk about it in polite company. Or that you can only get rich people at evil. You can get wealthy by stepping on other people. Or, um, I don't know, it puts people off. Uh, particularly women, Katie, if you find this like, oh, it's a bit cheeky. I don't ask for too much. 100%. I don't want to be pushy or a bit too, I don't know, bossy or feisty. You know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah many... Don't want to look too arrogant. And, you know, who am I to ask this much? Yeah, I, I, so I think this this can really hold us back. I mean, I don't know what it was like for you, Katie, growing up, but like for me, like um, money was, you know, I had as, everything we needed and as enough as was for as enough as what we wanted as was good for us. So it was almost kind of like this legom kind of approach mm -hmm. in my household without, but we didn't know at the time that the Swedish had a word for it, <laughs> but just enough, you know, we've got enough for our needs, we're comfortable, we're happy. There's, you know, getting rich you know coming in the air it doesn't bring happiness it doesn't make you as happy as it shows you on the telly and so that's quite a good healthy attitude but there was nothing there about aspiring towards money or being an entrepreneur or making more money if you know what I mean so I, I recognize in my childhood there were some attitudes which were very sensible and very healthy but also some that probably made it a little bit difficult when I became a bit limiting. Yeah, 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 I think so. And I, I grew up very much in a scarcity mindset environment. It was always, no, we can't afford it. No, it's too expensive. That was very much the narrative. Even though I actually think we did have quite, a, not a lot of money. We weren't a rich household, but I think it was about the priorities of where that money went, weren't kind of necessary creating that scarcity mindset so money was being spent on things that didn't need to be which wasn't leaving enough money left over for other things I mean I remember when I was like seven being like oh, I could do a better job with the budget than you mum <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah we definitely had that scarcity mindset so it is a challenge for me definitely to kind of have the abundance mentality but it's something I do every so often notice myself slipping into that kind of like oh no I can't justify spending that it's too much and things like that so I have to kind of do it but 
I think because I rebelled against it at, at a very young age, against the scarcity mindset, and I'm kind of like, well, actually, if you didn't spend that money, you could spend that money on that thing. I think in my head, I actually already had that abundance mindset, even as a kid. It just, I didn't have the power to actually do anything about it then, whereas now I do. So it's much That could be quite healthy, but probably made you a good good freelancer. Exactly. And I think, you know, and I can recognise, Kate, there's beliefs I had when I was younger. Like at one point, as a student, I think I decided that the only way you become wealthy is if other people suffered. So like if you are a mobile phone manufacturer, there's people mining the minerals, you know, oh my God, you know, there's no way of becoming wealthy without, you know, stepping other people. But then realise that as a business owner, that's actually really, A, not true. So I think it's really good to, as a business, once you've reflected on your money attitudes, ask yourself, is it objectively true? And quite often it's not. And the other thing to ask yourself is, is it helpful? And you might think that a penny pinching mindset is good for business, but hopefully as we'll convince you, it's it's not quite as good as you think. So useful to, to, to reflect on, is this working for me? And another mindset I actually had, which wasn't to do with necessarily income coming in or going out, but when I first went freelance, one of my mindsets was I have to pay my way. So, you know, when you first go freelance, unless you've already got some kind of contract in place or if you've already got a really strong network and you can literally kind of get working right off the bat, most of the time you're taking a bit of a pay cut when you first go freelancing and it takes you a while to build up your business. And so when I first went freelance, we'd been in a position, my partner and I, to both contribute equally towards the household bills when I was employed. And then when I went freelance, I literally wasn't earning enough to be able to do that. But I really struggled with that. And I had this whole like, oh, I have to pay my way. I'm an independent woman. Feminism, yes, I don't need to rely on a man to like help me. But actually, I kind of did. Like, you know, and I'm not saying you can only go freelance if you have a partner to support you. You know, there's loads of different ways you can manage it. But it, it made, it took the pressure off me taking work on that wasn't a good fit it let me give gave me a bit of breathing room to actually grow the business in a way I wanted to and and my partner was very happy to to kind of support me and one thing he said was you never know in you know five ten years it might be the way around maybe I'll be starting my own business and you'll be supporting me and I was like oh yeah right like, that's something ever gonna happen and then it literally happened and he left and yeah. was on minimum wage as he started his business and I contributed more towards the household bills. That's so. true. That's an interesting point, Katie, because, um, you know, we talk about is your attitude to money healthy? And again, moving out of a large corporate, you know, I didn't, I, if you'd asked me when I worked as, for an employee, does you, have you attached your self-worth to your wage? I'd be like, no, your wage doesn't determine your self-worth. But a bit like you, I had enough redundancy money to last me maybe two years if I wanted to. So I didn't have to rely on my wife, but her working the nine to five, like you say, took the pressure off. So it did help. Um, and, and there is a bit of an ego thing, a little, a little bit. And I think I did attach, you know, not getting a certain amount in every month made me feel like, yeah, I wasn't contributing or I wasn't worthwhile. And it can actually be quite a scary place. So I think that's probably good pointing out, Katie, that you may not think that your worth is attached to your wage. But when you first start as a freelancer, yeah, you're probably not earning as much. You may have to rely on help from others. And even if you don't, um, it's probably worth bearing in mind that how much you earn or what you can afford doesn't make you, um, you know, any more or less valuable to society or your household. And actually quite a lot of freelancers that we know are probably earning less now than they did when they were working. But that's almost a a kind of choice that they've taken because the other benefits that they get, the flexibility, being your own boss, having control over what you work and who you work with, 
massively outweighs any disadvantage of earning a little bit less. Yeah, that's true. So it gets a choice, really, how much yeah. you want to earn. And actually, Katie, maybe that's a good place to start with mindsets. I mean, first of all, how much do you want to earn? How much do you need to earn? So that's probably something to think about. Don't compare your freelance uh, income need compared to what you had before actually sit down with your household costs what do you need and then work out what would you like and maybe have a bronze silver gold option Mm. for how much you want to earn and think about how long it's going to take to go up to it because just because you're not doing what you did in your old job doesn't mean that's a bad thing like you're saying when there's trade-offs and that's true actually because you know there's two ways to make more money one is to increase your income but the other one is to reduce your expenditure and actually when my partner did set up his own business and leave his corporate job we did a big audit of all of our expenses and it made us realize that just because we've been getting his salary every month and I was able to you know obviously got to a point where I was contributing a bit more as well after a few years that just because we had that money we were kind of spending it and I think it's that thing where like your kind of lifestyle costs expand sometimes with your income growing up if you're not careful and we were just like oh if only we'd have actually got rid of some of the stuff that we were paying for that we didn't need and if we'd have just been a bit more mindful with our expenditure we could have actually had loads of savings at this point but at least we did it at that point and so it's a useful exercise to go actually yeah what's important to you in terms of where you're spending your money and we in the end we made a very deliberate decision to downsize we went down to having one car you know we're, we're trying to kind of reduce debt where possible and everything like that so that we have that freedom and that if we stop getting money in for any reason like a global pandemic then it's not as much of a crisis for us and so i think it's that again that's given us more of a freedom mindset around money is yeah. having kind of less fewer outgoings and less kind of expensive yeah and we did an episode didn't we on uh, stretch mentality you know, yeah. you, know, you know stretching and always uh, looking for more versus stretching what you've what what you've got so there is something about that mindset there too i think when you're employed particularly it's all about climbing up the ladder but that's mm. not the only way to go so let's have a look at some of these mindset shifts that you need to make from being a freelancer from perhaps being employed or straight coming out of education or living with mum and dad whatever stage you're at in life uh, katie i'll kick off with one of mine so the big the light bulb moment for me that really got me over a money hurdle when I first set up a business before I start set up I started going um on a coaching course or a business course with some business owners that I know and the head all over the place and the, the trainer said look you need to listen to Chris ask him about you know money and so we did we said well Chris you know he had this business and he built up to a million pound business and he walked away from it and we were like jaws on the floor because we'd never set up any business and um he you know he walked away from a lot of money he'd lost a lot of money and but also he had earned a lot of money and at that point he was in a good place and we're like well chris what do you, you know tell us what you, what you think about money and were you bothered when you lost that money or were you bothered when you walk away and he, he just shrugged his shoulders and said it's just a resource that's it it's just a resource it's he said if you want to build a house you need enough bricks if you haven't got enough bricks you don't cry about it or get have an existential crisis you just go right i need if i want to build a structure i need enough bricks do i have enough no what do i need to get the ones that i need or do i change the structure and he said you just go about it like that and he said it's fine and if i need more i'll just go out and get more and it's like oh oh okay so money's just a resource it's not your status it's not your self-worth it's not this taboo thing it's literally like a resource and that really sort of dispassionate really disconnected unemotional view of money was like that's really healthy I really like that so that was a big one for me first of all yeah I think we do have so much emotional baggage tied up with money and a lot of it's probably from 
you know, maybe slightly old-fashioned and things, old-fashioned ideas and things we've grown up with in childhood, like some of the things that we mentioned earlier. But you're right. I think it can be a really emotional subject for people. And it is something that, you know, people do have a lot of arguments about because it has got this kind of emotional baggage and people have different values and priorities that they're associating with the money. But I really like that as well, especially the bit about what you're saying you know, because it's, it's all very well and good to say, like, OK, well, if you don't have enough bricks to build your house, just go and get out, go and get more bricks. But for some people, it's quite hard to go and get those bricks. But so that I like the second part where you said, or change the structure. Yeah. So and, and that I love. It's like, yeah, if if you can't go and get more, if you can't go and get more money, work out a different way to. To, to do what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you if you need, you know, if you're planning to do loads of investment in your business and create something but you can't fund it, is there a creative way that you can actually do that on a smaller budget? And so I really like that approach of like... Yeah, definitely. And Katie, I've talked on this podcast before. I read Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And one of the questions he asked, and this was a good mindset shift for me, was rather than saying I can't afford it or I want that thing, let's spend more money on it. He asked the question, how can I afford it? And I like that. I like that shift, that reframing, because um, how can I afford it makes you think about what you need to do in order to get the money. And normally when you think about it like that, you usually can get the money. You like you usually have means. Do I sell something? Do I rechange my priorities? Do I shift things? What assets or resources do I already have that I can get money with? But if you can't get the money or you, you work out what it would take, but decide that you don't want to pursue that avenue, then it's not there feeling rubbish going, oh, I can't afford it. It's like, no, I could if I went to these extreme lengths or I could borrow and get into debt. But the consequences would be X, Y, Z. And I'm making a conscious decision not to go down that route. Mm. So I think that idea of how can I afford it increases a bit of ingenuity, increases your innovation and your resourcefulness. But it also encourages you to reflect on your priorities, actually, and what's really important. So I think that's a really good, good tip as well. And also, you know, yes, if you're struggling with your freelance business and there's a downturn in the economy or anything, you might be struggling to get more money in through your freelance business. But you can just go and get a part-time job or, you know, like I, I know quite a few people that have during, you know, during the pandemic who are freelance and yeah, it's not ideal, but they went and stacked shelves at Tesco or something. And it, if, if it's something that's just a short term way of getting you to where you next want to be, then there is some merit in that. And like, you know, like I, in when I first started out, I was just taking, you know, crappy little jobs on people per hour, doing little bits and pieces for people just to get the money. And then I feel like even if, my work dried up from kind of clients or whatever I would just yeah go onto job sites and I would kind of reach out to people and say look you know can I do these little bits for you or yeah even just go and like work in a local coffee shop a couple of days a week or something just to get a bit more stable income to tide me over until I was in a position to actually kind of get that money from my business again uh, you know I'm thinking of specifically of COVID in this instance where you, it, it was a bit of a waiting game and actually ultimately business is generally picking up again in, a, in most industries but you had to kind of get through that period as well yeah. so, so I think if you can have a cushion for yourself with savings again and, and kind of actually have that money mindset of abundance but like I think you could have cautious abundance you know yeah. we're not saying an abundance mindset is you can just spend everything because the money's just magically going to come back to you it's still about making a choice to be 
kind of prepared for the worst but expecting the best i, I guess mean, i mean neither like, of us are into manifesting money so no. that's not really what we're all about and you mentioned the uncertainty there katie and we've mentioned on, on this and on a podcast we've done fairly recently but your certainty does you know people struggle with the uncertainty of income when they're freelancers but your certainty doesn't come from an employer paying you the same every month your certainty comes from you and actually in some ways that might be more freeing because rather than you know where is the axe going to fall are they going to make cuts in my department all of this you now control the means of production you can now choose the value so your certainty doesn't come from a regular paycheck but as katie said you know if you're feeling struggling with that mindset oh i'm not getting a regular amount well look know this you know like she said you would stack shelves i know someone who did seasonal work in tesco's he's like a senior management consultant and he 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 went seasonal work in tesco's he treated it like a back to the floor like going back to the front line really healthy um people did what they had to do they you know they they would do cleaning jobs like say work in a coffee shop but as a business owner as well you have some skills which you could probably sell straight away Mm. or make a product that you could sell so your certainty that mindset of where you know how do i know the money's coming in it comes from you you have skills you have products and you talk about minimal viable product yeah yeah literally what's the thing thing yeah i could do straight (laughs) away so that's that again that mindset of certainty it comes from you and your creativity and you've always got something that you can you can i have kind of a backup plan a backup backup plan a backup 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 plan it's you know like if if yeah if it went wrong i'd go on a job site is that you know or the first thing i do i'd be reach out to old clients i'd reach out to my existing network i'd contact people proactively you know there's so many things that I would do before I even got to the point where I needed to think about taking on a second job but then even then I'm like okay here are the people I know that would probably be able to like sort me out with something temporarily here are the places that I feel okay with doing and yeah you know it's it's I heard a really good quote recently which was you always have a choice you just have to live with the consequences and I really liked that because so often we get into that position of saying oh well I couldn't quit because you know I couldn't I couldn't go freelance because or well, I can't, I can't get any more money because you know it's just impossible for me. Yeah. It's like, no, you do always have a choice. You might have to be uncomfortable for a bit to actually make that happen. And that is the reality of freelancing sometimes is that sort of the willing to accept a little bit of a dis- of discomfort sometimes to make progress. And, and I think that's, you know, or, or a little bit of uncertainty for the overall benefits. And I kind of have this weird faith almost that I'm like, it will be okay because it has to be okay, you know? I'm You'll like, make it okay. That's I'll, where it I'll comes from. I'll figure it out, exactly. Yeah. And so I'm kind of weirdly optimistic about my business most of the time because I'm like, well, I know I need to get money and I'll just, I'll figure something out. And, you know, if it gets to that point, I will, I will do what needs to be done to make it happen. And if that means I have to work on a weekend sometimes, then I'll do it. And it will only ever be a short-term thing for me yeah. because yeah you know, there's a point at which if it's not working out I maybe need to change my approach and try something different or something new but I think I'll always want to be self-employed in charge of my own destiny which includes my own money and my own money mindset as well yeah. so I think another mindset shift that people can make is around the opportunity cost of, of money so Sometimes we think about, oh, okay, how much how much does it cost? Oh, I can't afford it. But it's almost like, can you afford not to do it as well? So what's the opportunity cost? Like, everything you do has a value. So your time has a value, skills. So you might be thinking, oh, I can't afford to outsource something. But if you do that work yourself, you are potentially spending time on that work that could better be used doing something else. So that's an opportunity cost if you're missing out on things. I know, Michelle, you've talked about, like, 
you talk a lot about skills and yeah I, I think Kate, the other thing with opportunity cost is with your pricing as well so when you were employed you got paid your wage for doing the job so let's say I, I do training courses I got paid for doing training courses but there were other costs in that business so there were uh, someone else did the payroll someone else was the janitor someone else did the marketing someone else did the sales someone else did the bookkeeping someone else did the IT and when you are a business owner, suddenly you were doing all these things, but there is an opportunity cost for you spending time on things. So, um, and so think about this as well. If you are giving free consultancy to someone, that's an hour you could have spent earning money. Now, I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do. Sometimes it's good to give value uh, in order to get goodwill in future. But sometimes I think um, freelancers, Katie, don't charge things properly. So for example, if I do a coaching session, I might go, oh, well, but I'm only doing an hour. I'm, well, that seems a bit steep for an hour, but I'm not. For one thing, um, I do prep before the session. I do the work in the session, then I do a follow-up after the session. But only that, I spent thousands of pounds and many, many years learning skills to be able to do that thing in the first place. All of those had a cost. And sometimes as a freelancer, you think, oh, well, I'll just spend half an hour here or I'll just do this extra thing. But there was you could have been earning money in that time. So sometimes that's the right call, but sometimes we don't price it correctly. And I think charging for your ideas, your thinking, like charging for thinking feels weird. <laughs> but thinking is kind of really yeah. important. And if you know if that's work then the people should pay for it so. and we've done an episode about that of, of what to do when work doesn't feel like work where we do talk a little bit about that kind of how to charge for thinking time with clients and how yeah. to how to do it in a way that doesn't make them go no <laughs> and we forget like if someone offers me a really poor rate for running a, a training session I have to prep that training session and if it takes me half a day to prep the training session and they've got a poor rate for the day that I'm delivering it then I haven't only got a poor rate for the day, I also haven't got paid for that half day. So the opportunity cost of, of your time, of your thoughts, of your skill, of your ideas, um, is something that you probably don't factor in when you're in education or employment, but you definitely need to factor in. And like you say, Katie, sometimes, like you say, I think I can't afford a VA or I can't afford an accountant, but actually it would take me longer than it takes. It got, it, my day rate for my work is less than what I, is more than what I pay my accountant. Yeah. So it makes total sense. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you could spend that time earning more money than it would cost you to pay someone else to do that, that's generally a good rule of thumb for outsourcing, basically. Yeah. Especially if it's something that, yeah, is less of a skilled area um, or something that you just don't enjoy doing and you know you procrastinate on, that's also something useful to outsource. Yeah. I think the other thing you mentioned about, you know, charging your, your worth, in a sense, is, well, two things, actually. The first one is, the other thing to factor in is the fact that you, you probably aren't actually doing deliverable work your for your whole working week. Some of that time will be spent on like admin, emails, invoicing, marketing, mm. everything else. And you need to cover those costs somehow. So you do need to factor that into the rates you charge as well. And I think sometimes we think, okay, well, I need to earn X amount. And so this is how much I need to charge. Yeah. But actually your, your charge that you're putting out to clients does need to cover yet your your time spent on the skills developing it but also just the practical side of it needs to come it needs to be more than just that time it needs to cover maybe an extra day a week for like oh, admin they, stuff they say know. in most consulting roles that it's about if, if you spend a third of your time doing deliverable chargeable yeah. work then that's good going yeah so i think that's about right and and katie like i another mindset that i think is really useful for freelancers is to pay yourself first and by yes. that i don't mean go out and buy yourself some fabulous shoes or a new bit of tech i mean pay yourself first as in whenever you get money in from your invoice 
we talked about saving your tax in previous episodes, but you and paying your costs. But you should also siphon off some money. Some people say 10 percent to put back into developing your business or developing yourself if you are the business. So if you get like, you know, 500, you know, 500 pounds or something and like this, you know, 300 pound profit on that, you should spend, you know, put some of that away to put yourself in a training course or to buy some new software or to increase your capacity to perform. So this pay yourself first uh, principle is really important, but so many people spend time in their business. They don't really spend time on, on their business. business. And we've talked about this. Yeah. And there's a book too. called Profit First, which actually talks about that really specifically. And there's even like formulas in that book where you can actually calculate how, how much profit you want to make and uh you know yeah that really changed my approach to, to money was was reading that book and it's really helpful because yeah it kind of it takes you away from being reactive I think that's part of the problem is that like it and, and I did this certainly one of the first two years I was freelancing kind of pretty much before I started having coaching with Michelle I was just like being really reactive and being like okay like what's the minimum I need just to pay the bills scrabbling around for money and then when I actually changed it to being like no how much do I actually want to earn what is the value I'm adding for clients like how can I actually create a more sustainable business that really changed my approach and it was it's just just made it a lot easier because I'm now focusing on okay how can I get that that, how can I afford this Mm. not like you know how can I how can I get to this goal how can I be creative and think of new business ideas and I, that kind of brings me on to the another mindset shift actually that I was going to mention was you you will probably lose money in your business and you will lose money you will lose money in your business so like in terms of a mindset shift I think we have this very av- avoidant tendencies of, of kind of going okay I don't want to take a risk because it might not work out and I might lose money and I might have spent some money and not got a return for it and actually, if you accept that that is almost certainly going to happen, unless you are very, very lucky, you will probably lose something, but you will gain something out of that as well. So, you know, it's a cliche, but you learn from your mistakes. And if if you don't try, the chance of succeeding is zero. If you do try, you have at least a higher than zero chance of succeeding. And yes, there might be a risk and there are ways you can minimise that risk. But I think actually changing your mindset to say, I'm expecting that sometimes it's not going to work out, but I'm going to treat it like an experiment. Yeah. And, you know, we, I, I, was, I, um, I was very lucky a couple of weeks ago, um, David Hyatt, who founded the Do Lectures and he has a company called Hyatt Denim as well, um, spoke at um, a business centre near me in Wales. And he was sharing all of his failures of all these ideas that he'd done. And, you know, he was sharing these hugely successful campaigns that have got celebrities wearing their jeans and the do lectures, you know, you pay like £3,000 to go to this event and stuff. He's a hugely successful businessman. But he's sharing all these failures. He's like, yeah, we thought this would be a really popular thing. We did it. We spent loads of money on getting a van that went, and ra- went round and did stuff and it was a complete waste of money. We spent loads of money doing this. Didn't work we tried this thing, didn't work. We tried this thing that was really cheap and actually it was hugely successful. And and he's like, so actually, you know, we know now not to go down that road of spending a ton of money on on things until we've kind of maybe done a, a trial of it first, you know, sort of an in-principle test to kind of very minimum viable product approach. And But it's, it's that thing of you don't hear about people's failures so much because people don't talk about them. And because, you you know, people love to hear success stories, you forget that actually for every success story, there's probably been a hundred failures before they got to that yeah. point. Um, and so I think, yeah, just accepting 
that yeah. you probably will fail, you'll probably mess up, you'll probably lose some money, and that that's okay. Yeah, and we're not talking about being reckless here. It's, no. it's just that, you know, when you're a business owner, some like, we're not... You've got to make an educated guess about what will make a return. And I, I get it. Like sometimes people say, well, if you're going to spend money in business, you've got to know where that money's coming back. If you're spending a pound in a business, you've got to know how many penny are coming back. And that's good advice. But sometimes you, you do your research, you, you do it on a small scale, you do your customer research. But there's ultimately, until Kate said, until you try, there's no way of knowing whether that's going to get a return. So you will go down some you know, dead ends. Mm-hmm. So you'll spend money pursuing work, which is the right thing to do. If you're not willing to spend money pursuing work or marketing your business, then you're not going to get any business. And some of those avenues you go down, they will not come up um, w- with results. So there's times I've gone to um, you know, showcase my talents to companies in order to get work. It might cost me a couple hundred pounds on train affairs or travel or whatever. And then uh, they say, yeah, we'd like to work with you. And then the work just never materializes because their business doesn't you know, take off or whatever, or their project gets canceled and I've lost that money. But you can't get bent out of shape about that. That That is part and parcel of doing business. And, and I suppose, Katie, this brings us on to, um, you know, the, the, the other one we, we were having a big debate about, which is I, originally I was going to say you have to spend money to make money because sometimes people have that scarcity mindset and they go, oh, I want to set up a business, but I don't want to pay to learn how to do the thing. Or I don't want to pay for the advertising. <sighs> That's a bit expensive. But we've kind of changed it to you've got to invest money to make money. So I'll start with why you should do this. And maybe, Katie, you could add the note of caution on. So first of all, you do need to spend money to make money. And so it's easy to th- see things as a cost. But if you're setting up a business, you will have to spend some money, whether it's training yourself, buying equipment or marketing would be a big one. Now, I'm not saying go out and spend loads on Google or Facebook ads. There are better, more effective ways, particularly if you're first starting. Word of mouth is probably your, your best friend. But at some point, you've got to put money forward. So, for example, in order to do on, learn how to deliver training sessions online, about five years ago, before it was trendy, <laughs> I, w- I worked with a consultant and said, look, we want you to do this work, but you need to pay to do our training. And I didn't have much money at the time. And I was like... I don't know. I, I don't know. And I asked a friend and he said, Michelle, if they're charging you, they're obviously not that bothered about have about people on. That seems quite steep. And it was something like 500 quid. And um, but they did say they'd give you the work, give you work to that value as a minimum. So you would break even, but you'd kind of lose because of your time. But I knew that's where the industry was going and I recognised it was a valuable skill. So even though I wasn't making a huge amount from consultancy, I was relatively new. I paid up the money and that has made me thousands and thousands of pounds. And it kept me gamefully fully employed to the point of being stressed throughout the pandemic. (laughs) I had a skill that other people were having to learn very rapidly. So sometimes you got those sort of don't know moments. But if, quite often it's the right thing to do. So don't worry about losing the money. As we say, you will. some of those gambles won't pay off, yeah. but you do need to put money in. Now, this is not the same as being reckless, is it, Katie? No, and I think there's two things to bear in mind when you think about kind of spending money to make money. Um, the first one is, when, especially if you're first starting out, but even like if you've been in business for years, you can sometimes fall into a trap of feeling like, I'll be ready when I know this. I'll be ready once I've learned this. I don't know this, so I need someone to teach me. I need to spend money on a better camera. You know, oh, I can't post on Instagram until I've got a good camera. Oh, I can't do videos until I I've got a website. A good... Yeah, I can't do this until I've done this. I can't do this. I won't, you know, but, but actually there might be a sort of very fundamental thing you need to spend money on to like learn, but actually there might be a, f- a way of doing that for free. But the main thing is actually the best way to 
to kind of actually get out and start earning money is to just start doing the thing and then see spending the money as a way to enhance that rather than the only means to actually getting there. So it's not that you can't start, you know, it's not the case that you can say, right, oh, well, I'm not going to start my business until I've done this course because of imposter syndrome or whatever. You can start your business and you can do the course whilst you're delivering your business. It's not a barrier to starting. So that's the first thing I say is at some point you've got to stop investing in your business and actually deliver your business and actually put yourself out there. I think so don't use it as an excuse. And then the second thing is the, like you saying, you know, be careful with how you invest um, and when. So when I first started, I was getting a bit of money from word of mouth and a bit of a few jobs through people per hour, like I mentioned, which is like a job site. But I really wanted to kind of take an action to really kind of get my business out there into the world and kind of boost it a bit. And so I've probably mentioned this story before in the podcast, but I, I ended up paying to have a stand at the business show, a small business show in Excel Centre in London, massive conference for small businesses. And I didn't have enough money to afford that stand. I, it was like three grand. And I was like, hi, can I put that on my credit card? <laughs> and the guy was like, yeah, I guess. So I paid half of it up front and then the second half was due like a month after the show and overall yes I did end up getting that money back and I actually have a client I mean that was in 2014 I have a client who I'm just doing a new website for because I did her first website in 2014 so it's kind of it's it's done well to last as long as it has uh, but it is now very much in need of a refresh so I've got kind of you know repeat business from it and so loads of work came from it but it didn't quite come quickly enough. So, you know, I think because I was relatively new to freelancing, I didn't think about actually the time it takes to deliver the work, the fact that clients do sometimes get delayed with, with providing the content. And so in terms of getting the kind of final invoice payment signed off, it took way more than the kind of 30 days that I had to pay it. And if, if I was doing it again, I don't know. I would avoid if possible going into debt in order to kind of invest in your business and I would try and find other creative ways of doing it. So what I would probably do now instead is I would find smaller, either cheaper or free events to speak at to raise my profile first before going and having a big stand somewhere. I was lucky in that it did pay off and I did have the confidence in my business that I knew if I could get someone speaking to me face to face, I'm pretty good at converting them. So I knew if I could get in front of people, it would help me and I knew it'd be useful market research. But I think at that stage of the business, it was probably a bit irresponsible for me to put that much yeah. money on a credit card, not knowing if I was going to get it back. We would normally say, don't go into debt if you can help it. Yeah, like Casey absolutely. said, there are normally other ways around it. So do try to avoid going into debt. And bear in mind, when you first start out, people will, um, you know, try to sell you advertising space in magazines and things. And oh, like Katie God. said, yeah. <laughs> without a following, probably not not a great way to get started. Normally when you spend, like, so we're saying you've got to spend money to market your business, but just advertising one off in a newspaper or a magazine or just one event, probably not going to get the money back. And you might not need to spend money to advertise your business. At all. But at some point, you're going to have to spend money to, to grow your business. At some point, you might need a new laptop. At some point, you might want to buy insurance. We've just done another episode talking about um, how to get started in business where we cover the kind of absolute basics of getting started and how you can really easily get started as a freelancer without spending loads of money. But once you're established, yeah, you probably do want to 
you know, have a, a nice ergonomic chair that doesn't give you back problems if you sit at it yeah. all day. There's there's times where you do need to actually invest in your business and your own well-being and yeah. a nice environment to work in and things like that. Be honest with yourself about whether or not what you're spending is is a comfort blanket or a procrastination t- tactic. So you have to spend money to make money, but just because you're spending money, it doesn't mean you're making money. Yes. A distinction there. Yes. And I was just going to add as well that sometimes once you've started spending money on something, it can be actually really hard to admit that it maybe hasn't worked out. And there's a concept called the sunk cost fallacy, yes. which is also a trap you can fall into. So just be mindful of that. And that's where you keep basically throwing good money after bad. And you think, right, I've spent so much on it. I can't justify having spent that much money on it and walking away from it. So I just need to keep spending more money and hope it's going to work. And it probably isn't. So it just just try and be, again, be honest with yourself and acknowledge, go, yeah, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn from that. It was hard. I'm, you know, a bit embarrassed about it. But it's part away. of being a business owner is actually knowing when to stop knowing to walk away yeah, yeah the sunk cost fallacy katie is that whole thing isn't it that once you spent money on something it's a sunk cost it's gone yes and so the value that you is, is gone so it's like a relationship if you've been in for a whole year you think oh i've been in this relationship with spend for a year no the year's gone you can't yeah. get it back but if you're still with a crappy partner does you no good yeah. if you spent 500 pound on the car that 500 pound is gone if it's an old banger you need to move on and the say like you say katie is an ego thing i think yeah. walking away from a sunk cost um and katie one that was really um really surprising to me in terms of mindset shifts was the idea that actually charging a, a good amount you know for your product or service actually drives better customer relationships now a lot of people i know when they start out they're keen to get people for the door and they're like oh i'll do something for free or i'll do a discount or i'll do a promotion and i'm like why the, the quality of what you're offering isn't any less. Why are you doing it? Now, promotions can work quite well. Sometimes a good offer can get people through the door, but they don't necessarily stick around. So don't devalue yourself. And actually, to begin with, you think, oh, I'll charge less than other people and I'll be more attractive. But actually what you charge is cheapskates and people who don't value what you do. And actually people don't really respect you. When you charge a little bit more, People actually think, oh, this person's a serious player or I've put money into this. I best, you know, make sure it's the right purchase or I must make sure that this consulting service really works for me. And you actually get better customers and less complaints. So when you're pricing your services, don't go for the bargain basement. And we've talked about this in other episodes, but know that you charge. And to give a really brief example, I did coaching, for example. If I charge for coaching £20 an hour, I'd get a lot of interest, but from people who aren't really serious. So they wouldn't really come with burning desires or goals. They would they won't really come with a big problem to solve. Therefore, they'll sort of dabble with the with the coaching. They won't really commit and put skin in the game, even though it's their situation they're trying to improve. And then if you ask for a review afterwards, they'll go, oh, well, it was all right. You know, it helped me a bit. Well, I don't want to help people a bit. And that's not good word of mouth. You want people going, oh, my God, I had a burning desire and she helped me take a huge step forward. That's like gold dust. But ironically, when people pay more for that service, they're like, right, I've put money in. I'm going to get the best out of this. And they show up and I can do my best. They give their best. I get great word of mouth and I get more money as well. So there's this is kind of like you drive the behavior with your pricing so please don't go bargain basement as well you get better relationships and that's the thing you know we're saying invest in your own business to, you know invest to grow your business 
if other people are also thinking that they're looking to make an investment in their business and you can be the one that helps them make that investment and you will sometimes see it. I think it's a bit cheesy personally, but sometimes instead of saying like price or cost, people will actually phrase it as investment um, or investment cost or whatever. And again, that's a mindset thing of like, it's not, it's not an expense, it's an investment. It's going to give you a return. And I think that's that psychological difference. I think the investment wording works if you're selling something which people think is something as frivolous or it's not immediate obviousness. That might feel a bit... It's like I've seen people, Tony Robbins saying training courses. Well, his courses are quite expensive and people go, that's a cost, but it is an investment, but you wouldn't necessarily think of it like that. Do you like think, can I afford it? If you're selling, I don't know, cakes, probably wouldn't, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't use the term no. investment to you. I mean arguably it is I have a great time eating cake but that's not how I do it so think about that but Katie's right is a mindset thing Uh, Katie one we've slightly well actually while we're on this let's go for value because we talk about the value in drying up for customers um, I talked about promotions but they're not always a good idea are they no I think that I think sometimes you, you can be tempted to discount your services in order to drive interest and to create promotion And there's some instances where that does work, but I think a more powerful thing to do is to actually add value rather than to discount. Because if you discount something, especially if you're doing it often, it's got that kind of DFS sofa effect where actually if if it's discounted too often, you start to believe that's the real price and then you never actually expect to pay the actual full price that's out there in the world. And I also think that as an industry and as sort of freelance as a whole, I think we've got a bit of a responsibility to help in, you know, rising tide lifts all ships. If we all start charging a fair price re- that reflects the value that we offer, that's going to stop clients expecting bargain basement prices and recognise the value of what we deliver. So the more people are charging the appropriate amount, the more that people start accepting, oh, that's how much that costs. So it just takes a kind of, uh, 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 what's the word for the the thing where it goes up into a curve and then goes down again. Oh, which trajectory? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'll, I'll think of it at some point. But basically that kind of mass effect, critical mass, that's the yeah, word that's I'm looking it. for. It takes a critical mass to then, you know, change a kind of general perception of something. So I think when I say add value rather than discounting, you know, sell your service, but can you like throw in something that doesn't cost you extra time? So for example, for me, when I do workshops for organisations, I also have an online course that I'm developing. So one of the packages I'm putting together is if you if you have this if you buy this workshop, you get all this extra bonus stuff and it doesn't cost you any anything extra because it doesn't really cost me anything extra to give people access to my online course for free. It doesn't take very much extra time from me. So are there ways we can give them a free PDF, a free ebook, you know, give them maybe a, a free consulting session that's, you know, free 15 minutes kind of advice session or something. Yes, that takes up your time, but probably you still end up getting more money than if you discounted it, depending on the service you're yeah. selling. So it's that kind of working out ways that you can actually not devalue your service, yeah. but make it seem like people are getting bonuses. Discounting is is, is, a, is a, a like an arms race. It's, you know, it's a race to the bottom. So I'm not saying never do it. Where it can be quite useful is if you're launching a new product, let's say KTI were to launch a new course or something and we'd never run it before, we'd still sell it at a good value, but we might sell it at a discount 
but again we still get the value back because we might say to people this is the first time we've run it so we'll sell it at this promotion price but you have to give us feedback and of course that feedback provides value to us because we can tweak it and then sell the refined product for the full price so i'm not saying never discount um, but just don't assume that that's the way to yeah. drive people through the door and i am actually doing a, pro a program for free at the moment as a trial because I find it takes the pressure off me. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So there are instances where... You'll get value from that though, okay, won't you? Exactly. So, so it's, a, it's a massive experiment what I'm doing at the moment. It's a programme to help. It's just something I kind of came up with and I, was, I just wanted to get it up and running really quickly and I knew if I had to think about the pricing structure and, and everything, it would be a barrier to me actually getting it out into the world. I was like, right, I want something that helps people who already know a bit about Squarespace but they just want to actually get their website launched and it's been at the bottom of the pile and it's been, they've been procrastinating about it. I want to just create something that gives them a bit of accountability and in, in a group environment. So I was like, right, I just literally put it up, put it out there into the world within two days. I've got now seven people who are trialing it for me. And that, and I, I was, you know, when, when they signed up for it, it wasn't just like anyone can join. I was like, they had to answer questions. So was there was say, still a way to kind of quality yeah. control the people. And like, you know, it's like, why, why is this going to be helpful for you? You know, so here's the commitment I expect in, from you if you're going to do it for free and everything. So there was a bit of a screening process. And and so for me, it, if I had charged for that, it would have been a barrier to me getting it out into the world. Now I'm learning and I'm getting feedback from people. But I've been very clear all along that this will be a chargeable service. But it's something I can then say to people, okay at the end of it, what would you have paid for this actually out of interest now you've done it? What value would you assign to it? And that's going to help me inform. And I won't necessarily, mm. you know, people probably say less than they actually would pay because people normally are willing to stretch Oh, they lowball it. it. Exactly. Yeah. But it will give me an idea as to the ballpark figure. And I've got a figure in mind as well yeah. that I want to charge. So to me, Katie, that's not free. That's your customer research. Exactly. That's your market My research. focus group, basically. It's your focus yeah. group. And you're making them jump through hurdles. So yeah. they're having to put skin in the game it may not be their money they're putting in, but yeah, it's their time, it's their exactly. feedback, it's their mental effort. So this is what we mean by value exchange. And while we're talking about value exchange, I think one just to touch on, we started at the beginning, Katie, with this, but perhaps a nice one to, to come to here is the abundance mentality. Now we talked about believing that there is enough uh, you know, money or work out there for all of us. And, and I think an abundance mentality is good. It's not just with money, it's with time too. Now you might think that your competitors are your competitors and we've done an episode on this as well, but actually um, your competitors are also your potential collaborators. So be generous, not like recklessly so, but give your expertise without going into unpaid work. Give your time, have coffee with people, let people use a sounding board within reason. And if you can do a favour to people or simple things like cheering them on or promoting their businesses, um, then that idea of, you know, there's enough success to go around. I'll cheer you on. I help you promote your business. I'll say nice things. I'll attend events. Uh, I'll give fully. This abundance mentality really works because people remember you fondly, you build great relationships, you invest in those relationships over, over time, and you generally find that why not, not everyone will give it back, so it, this can't be a transaction. <laughs> yeah, there can't but, be an expectation. No, but people generally will spread that goodwill back. So, And you won't always get it back from the same people, like someone you you didn't even think knew you existed would say great things about you, but then you go and praise somebody else, and there's like this lovely, nice to teach the world to sing kind of community <laughs> of people. But giving generously to that community, showing up, even just listening to people and, and when you're on networking events you're taking a genuine interest uh, rather than thinking what can I get you know nobody likes people who go to the networking events and just hands out their business cards and go buy buy from me buy from me buy from me those guys are idiots like generally nurture relationships and and support other business owners as business owners I know loads of business owners who just get their head down and do their own thing 
and they're successful to a point, but I actually find their success is quite limited, Katie. I find like I spoke to so many people over the summer during the pan, you know, during the pandemic that were like, um, I'm stuck. There's no business out there. I don't know what to do. And then I'm like, is there somebody else out there that's doing this? Yeah, they seem to be doing all right. Okay, well, find out. Then. <laughs> you know, you're not on your own. Other people are going through the same thing. What are they doing? So I don't know about you. I think an abundance mentality goes a long way. Yeah, I think so as well. And I think depending on the type of business this may or may not apply to you, but I think anything where it's the kind of knowledge and skills based business that you've got, you can give away a lot of knowledge and still get people paying for your services. So like I'll use web design, for example, you know, I can, I can talk about Squarespace and how to do it and everything all day long. There will always be people who still want help actually implementing it. So you can give people the, the how without actually giving them the like you can give them the kind of the theory but without the actual kind of implementation side of things yeah. so the more you know if i share about squarespace there's always gonna be people who are gonna say some of them you know there may be like 10 percent of people who are like great this is enough for me and then there'll be people that are like actually i want a little bit of support and then there'll be some people that are like yeah i can do this myself but i just want you to do it for me i just want you to actually implement it for me and for most knowledge and skills based businesses that would apply so like, you know michelle you share coaching tips and ideas but there's nothing it doesn't compare to actually having a coaching session with you exactly that and sometimes i might just say someone say well what do i do about procrastination or what do i do about uh, managing upwards and i go oh do you know what there's a really good book on this or have you watched this ted talk and people might some people might watch the ted talk and then not do business with you that solved their problem well great you've solved their problem <laughs> and they think you're really good and they might come to you for a bigger more in-depth problem and say hey do you have anything on this and you go okay well you might find that there's more depth and that might be a coaching conversation or those people might never have been your customer in the first place in which case it's much easier to give them a video or a book and spend your time on people who generally want the relationship so yeah and good. there's never been anyone who's not been grateful for you saving them money so yeah. they will remember that and like you say it's not that you know it's not just limited to one person like good news travels people recommend people that, that have helped them and so the more you help people the the more people will talk about you and you know it's it's possibly a topic for another episode but i think there is something to be said about there's there's the skills that you are ostensibly paid for so in my case web design and training but then there's there's like maybe i'd say up to like 20 30 percent of my business my clients without realizing it they're actually paying for other skills they're paying for the fact that i'm helpful to work with i'm proactive i meet deadlines like but you get I them yeah I, I listen and actually that there's a lot of value in that so i think that's the other thing in terms of thinking about oh how much do i charge for this can i justify charging this much for this i'm like yeah, they're getting the skills, but they're also getting an experience that's hard to get from other web developers sometimes. Like it, that, that, that kind of having people skills, you know, is I think we're moving away from the cliche that web developers are all like geeks in the parents' basements. But, you know, the, I still think there's people who are not as human person focused and they are more introverted and that's fine. But for the type of clients I want to work with, being able to connect with them is actually quite important yeah so. if all you offer is technical knowledge or software use you're probably not going to be in business very long because there's always something you know it will always be automated uh, a robot or ai will do it or uh, someone will put all that stuff up on the internet for free in a in their blog which is irritating but they might do it and so what you offer is is something else so don't be afraid to give away a bit of expertise and have that generosity of spirit spirit like katie said that's not what you are yeah that's not what you're offering so you can give enough of that without doing unpaid work exactly 
Cool. We've said, you know, we could probably go on for two hours with this episode of all the, because there is, it's such a deep rooted topic or the money stuff. But we always like to finish with a, a kind of takeaway from the episode of what one thing would you do to solve this problem if you could. So Michelle, what would yours be? Wow, it's hard to hard to pick one there, really. I, I think probably just accept that you, you are going to have to spend some money in a business and you may even have to spend money on things that don't work. Don't panic. You're not a failure. Um, but do extract the learning from that. The first business I've ever had didn't work. Just about got my money back, but it was still spent less than doing any course I've ever done. So that was a good grounding in business. So try to. So I suppose I've shoot two into one here, Katie. But see those as learning. See failure as learning, really, in terms of money. I think. I think for me, it would probably be it's okay to talk about money. Yeah. I feel like I would actually like freelancers to talk about it more, and I think like you know i think it would help the industry if we all if we kind of shared a bit more about how we manage money and what we're charging to kind of get that sort of level playing field a bit more um but i think especially for women like we mentioned earlier on we touched on it is that kind of idea of like oh i'm being cheeky or i can't ask for it and you know the number of people that will kind of do the work and then actually like procrastinate on actually asking if they can invoice or sending the invoice because it's scary to ask for money or someone you know like the amount of times me as an individual I've gone out and tried to get a quote from somebody to, for, to do the work and I haven't managed to get that quote from them. And I think it's because assigning value to your services is scary. And so, I mean, I like to have set prices because it then takes that fear away from me. But I think, yeah, that just talk, get used to talking about money and having those conversations and make it normal to say, yes, this is how much it costs. And do you have the budget for that? And what is your budget? And actually have those conversations. So, yeah, like we need to talk about money. And as we've established today, it's really important. So, and it's, 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 a, it's a big thing. So it's quite a normal thing to talk about. So if you've got any feedback or if you've got any questions or thoughts about... Or your own money mindsets. Yes, share your 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 own mindsets, the before and after as well, if you want to. And if you've got any other ideas for challenges you'd like us to cover on the podcast, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at 99problemscast. That's the number 99, problems, and then cast as in podcast. And we will see you again for another episode of 99 Problems, but a boss ain't one very soon.